You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. There are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 92 by Rudolf Steiner. Uh, the listener's notes of 16 lectures, trans, uh, entitled The Occult Truths of Myths and Legends, translated by Paul King. This is Lecture 6, given in Berlin on the 30th of September, 1904, entitled The Mysteries of the Druids. Our medieval tales, Parsifal, the Round Table, Hartmann von Aue, depict mystical truths in an esoteric form, available to everyone, although they are usually only understood in their external meaning. What is their origin? We must look for their origin in times before the spread of Christianity. What was living in Ireland, Scotland, and in Scandinavia was absorbed organically into Christianity. We are led to a particular center from which the spiritual life emerged. The spiritual life of Europe spread out from a central lodge in Scandinavia, a Druid lodge. Druid means oak. This is why it is said externally that the ancient Germanic peoples received their instruction under oak trees. Druids were primordial Germanic initiates. In England, the Druid lodges continued to exist until the time of Queen Elizabeth I. Everything we read in the Edda, or can find in the ancient Germanic sagas, can be traced back to the temple of the Druids. The composer of these sagas was always a Druid priest. The sagas are not merely some kind of symbol or allegory. They are this too, but are also something else. Let's take an example. We know the myth of Baldur. We know that Baldur is the hope of the gods, that he is killed by the god Loki with a twig of mistletoe. The god of light is killed. This whole myth has a deep mystery significance which every individual who was initiated had not only to learn but to experience. In initiation into the mysteries of the Druids, the first act was called, quote, going to see the corpse of Baldur, close quote. It was thought that Baldur was always alive. Going to see him entailed gaining complete enlightenment on the nature of the human being. Baldur was man in his lost state. At one time there were no human beings like those of today, but different ones who were not differentiated, were not pushed down to the point of experiencing passions, who still lived in subtle, rarefied matter, Baldur, the bright human being. A proper understanding will see a higher meaning in these things which appear to us as symbols. This human being who is not submersed in what today we call matter is Baldur. He lives in each of us. The Druid priest had to look for this higher man in himself. What this differentiation consisted of was explained to him from the high to the lower levels of human development. The secret of all initiation is to give birth in oneself to the higher self. What the priest underwent more rapidly is what ordinary people will undergo over long sequences of development. 
For these priests to become leaders of ordinary people, they had to receive this initiation. The human individual who has descended more deeply must now overcome matter and attain that higher condition once more. This birth of the higher self takes place in a certain way that is similar in all the mysteries. One has to re-enliven that part of one's human nature that has sunk into matter. One has to undergo a series of experiences, real experiences that cannot be like any sensory experience on this plane. The stages of initiation. At the first stage, one was brought before the so-called throne of necessity. One stood before an abyss. One really experienced in one's own body how things live in the lower kingdoms of nature. The human being is mineral and plant, but the present human individual cannot experience this. He cannot experience what the elemental substances experience, and yet the iron necessity, the imperative element in the world, derives from the fact that we are also minerals and plants. The next stage led the individual to everything that is living in the animal kingdom. One had to see, seething and churning together, everything that lives as passions and desires. The individual had to see this because the purpose of initiation is to look behind the scenes of world existence. People do not realize that what swirls through astral space is only concealed because of their physical sheath. The veil of Maya is a real covering, and one who is initiated must see behind it. The veils fall away and the individual sees clearly. This is a special moment. The priest becomes aware that the veils have held back instincts, which would be terrible if let loose. The third stage leads to a perception of greater nature. This is a stage which, without the proper preparation, is still very hard for the individual to comprehend. The fact that tremendous occult powers lie here and that cosmic passions express themselves in these nature forces is something that makes the individual aware that forces exist that he experiences on more than one occasion, like his own sorrow. In German, die er nicht einmal, so erlebt wie sein eigenes Leid. The next trial is called Quote, being given to the snake, close quote, by the Hierophants. The effects produced from this are explained in the myth of Tantalus. The grace of sitting, like Tantalus, in the council of the gods can be misused. It signifies a reality which raises the human being above himself, certainly, but it is associated with dangers that are not exaggerated in the curse on Tantalus. As a rule, a person would say, they could do nothing against the laws of nature. The laws of nature are creative thoughts. With a thought that is just a shadowy brain thought, one can do nothing. In a creative thought which builds and constructs the things in the world, in a productive and fruitful thought, we have instead of a passive thought one that is permeated with spiritual force. The empty chrysalis of a caterpillar is just the shell of the caterpillar, the living caterpillar is permeated by productive thought. Active creative forces were poured into the empty chrysalis thoughts of the priest, so that he became capable not only of perceiving the world, 
but of acting upon it as a magician. The danger here is misuse. At this stage the occultist gains a certain power through which he is in a position to deceive even higher beings. He must not only repeat truths but experience them. He must decide whether something is true or false. This means, quote, being given to the snake, close quote, by the hierophants. Just as there is a physical spine, so there is also a spiritual one which determines whether one receives a spiritual brain or not. The individual undergoes this process in the third stage of initiation, quote, entry into the labyrinth, close quote. He is lifted out of kama and provided with a spiritual spine in order to be lifted up into the vortices of the spiritual brain. The convolutions of the labyrinth are the same on the spiritual plane as the convolutions of the brain on the physical plane. The individual gains entry into the labyrinth, into the convolutions within the higher plane. He then had to swear to silence. A bare sword lay before him, and he had to swear the strongest possible oath. This meant that he would keep silent about his experiences before anyone who was not initiated as he was. These things, which are genuinely secret, cannot be communicated just like that. But it was possible for the initiate to compose myths in a form that would express what is eternal. Being able to express oneself in this fashion, one naturally had great power over one's fellow human beings. An individual who gives form to such a myth impresses something into the human mind. What we usually talk about is quickly forgotten and only the tiniest fraction of it survives death. Eternal truths survive death the longest. Very little of the lower sciences survives death. But what is eternal survives and appears again in a new incarnation. The Druid priest spoke from a higher plane. If his tales were the expression of higher truths, albeit in simple form, they penetrated deep into human souls. He had simple folk before him. But the truths penetrated into their souls and they thus absorbed something that would be born again in new incarnations. In those times people heard fairy tale truths. So today we have a prepared spirit body. And if we understand higher truths today, it is because of this preparation. Thus this period, which came to an end in the year 61 CE, had prepared the spiritual life of Europe, had provided the ground on which Christianity could grow. The Druid teachers continued to exist, and if we look we can still find access to what was taught in these lodges. After the Druid priest had sworn his oath on the sword, he had to drink a particular drink, and from a human skull. This signified that the human individual had grown beyond the human element. This was the feeling the Druid priest had to have with regard to his lower body. He had to feel what lives in the body so objectively, so coldly, that he regarded it only as a vessel. Then he was initiated into the higher mysteries. And when he ascended into higher worlds, he met the living Baldur. He was taken into a gigantic palace covered with gleaming swords. A man came toward him who threw seven flowers into the air, the seven planets. The one being initiated saw three seats on which were enthroned the space of heaven, 
German Himmelsraum, Cherubim the Demiurge. Thus he became a true sun priest. Many people read the Edda without realizing that it is a telling of what really took place in the ancient Druid mysteries. There was a tremendous power in the hands of the ancient Druid priests, a power over life and death. It is a truth that everything becomes corrupted over time. Druidism was once most high, most holy. By the time of the spread of Christianity, a lot had degenerated, and there were many black magicians, so that Christianity was like a salvation. Only a study of these ancient truths can illustrate almost all occultism. In a Druid temple, one stone was never placed upon another in the way done today, but according to exact astronomical measure. Doors were built in accordance with measurements of the heavens. Druid priests were builders of humanity. A faint copy of this is preserved in the ideas of the Freemasons. When we learn to see through astral material, we see the sun at midnight, first initiation, being given to the snake, second initiation, entry into the labyrinth, third initiation. The end of Lecture 6